0: This week, Music Biz Weekly Podcast, it's about three things. Your story, your experience, and your tribe. Do you have those three? Are you building those three? Are you thinking about those
1: three? Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Branvold and Jay Gilbert, Two longtime music industry pros discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this new music. Thousands day. of musicians and industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship opportunities.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly podcast. One of your two co-hosts, Michael Bramble, and as always, Jay Gilbert's joining me as well. How you doing, Jay?
2: Doing well, doing well. I'm, before we hit record, which we do sometimes, we just kind of talk about, you know, solving all the industry's problems over a cup of coffee, and today was no, right. I, was I, no I, different. Wish,
0: I wish it was that easy to solve all the industry problems, don't you? We give it a go. <laughs> um, it's all the top secret talk that we can't put into the Music Biz Weekly, yes, right. exactly. Um but uh, we don't have a guest this week, but we, we, we've got always interesting discussions ahead of us here. But before we get, get into this week's discussion, just a quick shout out to uh, Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town. Thank you for your support. And as always, just reminding everybody, be sure you join and follow us over at the Bands in Town artist community. Head over to BandsinTown.MusicBizWeeklyPodcast.com. It's free to join. Amazing discussions going every week, kind of centered around that week's episode. But if there is news that pops up, we we drop it in there as well. Um, Just this week as we're recording, we're talking about influencers because that was what we were talking about last week. Um, And, you know, and, and it's funny, you know, we sit back and assume everybody knows what we're talking about. But somebody actually is like, well, could you explain to me what an influencer is? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and don't be afraid to ask because somebody else responded like an influencer is basically somebody who's extremely popular on a social network who is paid to promote a brand, a product, a person, something. Yeah. I mean, that that's all it is, is they, they are a person of influence in their network of people.
2: Right. And that's as old as the industry, right? Like when when we were young there might have been you know whoever it is some some artist that's doing commercials that's an influencer you know it's somebody you look up to yep. you know oh sting is doing a commercial for a jaguar maybe i need one of those cars cuz you know i dig him you know it's that's that's an influencer too
0: yep exactly so anyway head over to the, to the artist community on bands in town join us over there ask your questions about episodes ask your questions in general um it's it's turning into a great community over there and um of course a uh, big shout out to our sponsor discmakers.com we know it's a digital world but there's still an important role for physical media for today's musicians digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like cd vinyl and even t-shirts online and at gigs has become such an important income generator For every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams, and it can cost you a lot of money to get those streams, too. Uh, Our friends at Disc Makers is a place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So we put together a great little offer with Disc Makers for all of our listeners. Head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more cds and when you check out use the promo code free biz all one word free biz and you'll save up to 150 dollars in shipping costs so like i said jay no guests this week um you know and i was trying to think about what do we what do we talk about i mean there's always stuff going oh on gosh always you know, there's always frustrations with artists, frustrations with DSPs there, you know, there's always things going on out there.
2: Yeah. It's ever changing. Um, right. And be- ever, before, before we ever- jump in really quickly, sorry, you just mentioned disc makers and it reminded me of a couple of stories I saw recently because CD sales are up, you know, I think year over year, like something crazy, like 40%. So, you know, it's CDs are still a thing. You know they're cheap I, wonder, to though, I,
0: I, I saw the article. I haven't read it yet, um, and maybe it answers this. And then you can answer: it. Are CD sales up because of the return to touring, where CDs were a big item sold out on at shows?
2: I think there's several reasons. And if you talk to Tony Van Veen, he'd know much more than I would. But I can tell you from reading the article that's part of it. It's also that. People go into indie retail looking for vinyl, for example, and they, because of the expense of uh, the, you know, the materials for vinyl, it's a petroleum product. All the pricing and all the backlogs on vinyl that they go in, and sometimes they can't find the vinyl that they the want, CD and, and they buy the CD. That's part of it, right? The, the other part of it, you had mentioned touring um, CDs. There, there's there been Adele, which is more of an ad, uh, adult artist last year that sold a ton of CDs and that helped push the number up. But there are always adult releases every year that push that number up. The other thing is that CDs are very inexpensive. Like you can go to Disc Makers and you know very inexpensively create CDs and yep. get them within a week or two. And I think that, You can sell them at the merch table, but, you know, the average car is almost 12 years old, the average car in the U S. And so a lot of them still have CD players. And I think people are, you know, maybe it was part of, uh, you know, during the pandemic, kind of the, the lockdown, you know, people are starting to look at their music a little bit more carefully, but I love the fact that you can have that tangible physical thing, because especially at the merch table, as you mentioned, that's something you can sign for your fans as we return back to playing live.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah, It'll be interesting to see if that continues, if that reverses anything Uh, hard, hard to believe it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger and permanently reverse things. I mean, like it or not, it's a digital world we live in.
1: I mean, it just,
0: it, it just is. And as much as you and i love holding a physical product um there's still something incredibly important about instant access to an entire world's catalog of music
2: yeah do you find that you like for your favorite artists that you still buy physical I, i i've been doing that with a lot of my favorite artists i don't mind just streaming you know things and discovering things and having you know music going on in the background when I'm working that sort of thing. But when one of my favorite artists put out music, I just love to have that physical thing that I can own. And I was just looking at the numbers this morning. Um, this might surprise some listeners. You're right. It is a digital world. It is a streaming world. In the U.S., streaming is 83% of the business. Globally, it's 65% of the business. And there are markets like Japan that are still primarily physical, like about half physical. Tower records
0: is still very big in
2: Japan. Yeah, they have like 90 stores still in Japan, right? So in Japan, you would think they're so technology driven and so early on to technology, you know, with the Walkman and everything that you would think that that place would be very, very digital, but they really appreciate and still like that, that tactile ownership.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I do for a small core number of fave artists, I will still buy some form of physical product, whether do you, it's.
2: Do you buy vinyl?
0: Um, I will buy vinyl. I will, if vinyl isn't offered, I will buy the CD and, um, but I don't listen to them. I yeah. just buy them to support the artist. I still do all my listening yeah. streaming. Yeah, streaming. that's
2: what that's what Will Page said. You know, I'm a big fan of Will Page and his book, Tarzan Economics. He used to be the chief uh, economist or chief economist, whatever you call it for uh, Spotify. Anyway, he had made a statement one time that um, he was told that almost half of vinyl sold today isn't listened to. And you know, a lot of it comes with a download card. Some of it doesn't. A lot of it gets framed. I have some on my wall. You know, I mean, yep. I love buying vinyl, and I do, I do listen to it. But I love that today there's really cool liner notes. You know, and and sometimes colored vinyl variants. And you know, I bought one the other day. Uh, Tears for Fear is the tipping point. It came with a 45 with two additional tracks, and I just I thought that was so cool. You know, um, I still like it's a whole different experience, right? When you when you put on vinyl, it's like, what, 22 minutes aside, you put that needle down. You can't just go, you know, clean the house. You have to be present. That's that is going to end pretty soon. So it's more of that lean in experience. But I'm like you, you know, I'll buy a CD at a show to support an artist. But then at, at my desk, I'm listening to it on a DSP.
0: Yeah and 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 honestly if if that artist doesn't have their tracks up on streaming I'm immediately ripping the CD putting the CD on a shelf somewhere and now I'm listening to the digital files yeah. on iTunes um you know I would I would guess the last half dozen or so vinyl albums I bought are still all in their shrink wrap yeah now, I mean there there was there was nothing Special vinyl or audio-wise, additional that made me want to open those up. Yeah, you know, like the last Kiss off the soundboard live recording from Donington in in ninety six. I I bought the vinyl on that unopened because I'm listening to the same music on Spotify.
2: Right. You know, right. I
0: bought the last Cheap Trick album. I bought the last Sticks album. What about that Kiss
2: Jeep Destroyer Th- um, set? Were that those? Set. Well, I was all of that put on the streaming services, like yep. the demos and stuff too.
0: Dem, demos, the 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 nineteen seventy six live bootleg show. Yeah, all all up there. So, you know that that's sort that's something to consider. It's like, well, if you're selling a special vinyl package and you put everything up on streaming, of course, nobody. There's less reason to buy the vinyl. There's less reason to listen to it. It did have so a booklet, it, though, it, which is pretty cool. The, the booklet is great. So, you know, a consideration could be, all right, well, don't put all of the bonus material up on the streaming service. The only way to get the bonus material is to actually buy the vinyl or buy yeah. the CD. Yeah. It's a consideration. Um, but right now, for the most part, people are putting thing everything that's on vinyl. Or yeah. That release Interesting. Is going up on streaming. So it's like, uh, okay you know, unless you're in my core artist group of like five, six artists. Yeah. Those I'll buy. But if you're outside of that, even a fan, a band that I've been following for many, many years, I'm not going to buy. If, if it's all available streaming, I'm not going to go buy the vinyl. I'm not going to go buy the box set. If you Give me a reason to go buy it. I will. But by doing just an exact match on what was released physically to what's released digitally.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, I got the queen box set, which is all their studio albums. And what made it super compelling is it's all on 180 gram vinyl, which is a nice heavy, high quality vinyl each album is on a different color variant right and if it didn't time out the right way and they had a blank side of one of the albums they did these cool laser etchings which was really neat but the the real thing that sold me on it was it came with this like coffee table book with you know this great narrative and photos and i think that's where some artists you know kind of missed the boat and we were talking about that destroyer set and how cool that that booklet was because it really ties you back into that era and i think that there was this time when record companies like rhino were you know gary stewart and his team over there were putting out these amazing box sets you had a lot of that music already but you needed to have that box set because it came with a booklet with really cool stories and liner but notes or rarities we've, or something.
0: We, we, we've, we've talked about this in the past where it's no longer about selling music, it's selling the experience.
2: Exactly. So, exactly. you
0: know, uh, we'll use the Kiss Destroyer box set as the example. It's not so much that I was buying all that music because I really wasn't. I had a lot of it. Yeah, there were some demos I didn't have. But again, all the music got put up on streaming anyway. The experience of the booklet, the story the booklet told about the music, the interviews in print about that demo song, producer Bob Ezrin talking about all—that's the experience you're buying because that you can't get yet. Right. I mean, again, there's actually physically no there. There's technically no reason all of that that print material also couldn't be online it could be pdf yeah and, but there's still not the same but yeah it.
2: yeah i agree there's something really uh i think of romantic about that tactile kind of thing and, and you and i talked one time about you know the i think the best experience kind of box set that i've ever seen was a gene simmons box and that yeah. there were people buying it that won't even listen to the music it wasn't about some of those demos and some of those demos You've heard it. Some of them are not very good quality, not that they needed to be, but it it wasn't about the music. I know that sounds crazy, but it was about the experience of this scarcity, about the fact that he would present it to you, about the fact that there was something in the box set that was unique to that particular box set. Man, that's that's taking that experience to a whole nother level. And now there are artists who are doing that with web three, like with NFTs. The whole collectible NFT thing has kind of crashed. But now people are getting smart and they're tying those NFTs into physical goods and experiences, like box sets, where you may get a lifetime you know, ticket to shows by purchasing that NFT, or you may get uh, a meet and greet or something tangible like a signed test pressing that's tied to that. And you can prove that you own it on the blockchain. Those are, when you talk about experiences, that's where I think it's exciting in the music business is how we can turn this streaming from being like a spreadsheet that you listen to into something much more immersive.
0: Yeah, I, I... I think too many artists, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, an artist's story when it comes to your PR, what's your story. And honestly, very few artists seem to think about the experience of their music as well. It's like, yep, just recording it, putting all the songs on CD. We're also doing vinyl and we're doing every streaming and digital service. And it's the exact same music everywhere. And it's like, Okay, that's, that's fine. You want to be where the customer is. But there's no experience to that. Mm. There is nothing special about, oh, you got to go buy, you know, e- again, we've, we've talked about exclusives when it comes to digitally, but it's like, you know, you got to go buy the iTunes version of this album because the iTunes exclusively comes with two live tracks that no other service has. Yeah. Target the target CD has something special. It's a different cover.
2: I'm not a fan of that.
0: I'm not a fan of that, but that is thinking more about the experience of, of acquiring the music and why are you acquiring it? And I don't think a lot of people put any effort into what's the experience of acquiring. It doesn't seem like it does. What's the experience of your release? Yeah. 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 You know, the and 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 I'll be honest, I mean a lot of artists can't afford to think about it. I mean, they can barely afford to think about a release plan and they don't have the team or the time to plan it together. I mean, it's easy for somebody like Beyoncé to think about all of this because she goes to her management team and her label and says, "I want to do this." Now, we'll right. make it happen. Right. Spend the money because money's not an issue. Right. It's easy but, to think about the experience when you're in that
2: position. Right. And most people aren't in that position. And then we see it conversely where there's certain artists that are so good, whether it's intentional or not, at getting their fan base to do a lot of that work for them. I'm thinking of BTS. I'm thinking of KISS. I'm thinking of like the BTS ARMY. I mean these folks they help each other they purchase things for each other they 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 stream something over and over and over again to make sure that it charts and they're not necessarily being directed by the band and management to do this they have kind of roped this together on their own and you and i both know whether it's jimmy buffett's parrot heads or deadheads or the kiss army these fans want their favorite artists to succeed and they kind of create their own experiences and you and I both know a lot of people who work for some of these artists. They started off like you and me. They were just fans that ended up like you did working for the artist and there's no better person to work for an artist than someone who understands that fan mentality and that experience.
0: Yeah, it, you're 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 so right and you know that that it's it's interesting as we're talking here how all of this And everything we've talked about for years weaves together, you know, understanding your fans, getting your fans to do this. Well, what does that mean? That means first you got to go out and acquire fans. Do you have an email list of your fans so you can communicate with them? Have you started a Facebook group, an official group for your fans to hang out and chat so you maybe don't have to be part of that chat? but you can sit back and watch what are they talking about? What are they trying to do? What do they want to do? And you can use those cues and direct your next actions based on what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and it gets back to, you know, the last thing so many clients worry about is well, acquiring more fans. No, I, you know, I just spent six months recording this album. I want it released. I want to get out there. I want to start marketing it. Yeah, but how come for the last six months you weren't building that email list? Exactly.
2: Yeah, that that is key. You know, it comes back to find your tribe. One of the first things we we talk about with artists and managers is who's your audience? And and once you kind of determine who your audience is, talk about who you want your audience to be. And so you that informs your decisions about marketing, because you and I always talk about kind of the three audiences, right? You've got the commerce, sales streams and downloads. Then you've got the other audience, which is the butts and the seats. Right. And then you have that third audience, which is social media and these and YouTube. These audiences don't always overlap completely. So you, you find out who your tribe is. But then, like, who are those artists that you want to collaborate with? Who would you like to open for? Who would you like to have open for you? Who are those fans of other artists that you know would dig what you're doing? And I think that's got to be in advance, like you said, of your release cycle. You have to have that conversation and a plan to reach them. Because if you don't, you drop that music in a marketplace and it's a it's it's a whisper. You know, nobody it's, knows. Yeah,
0: no, nobody knows. And. And sadly, what I'm seeing so common is so many artists will like buy into everything we just talked about, but they want it all done in three months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's just like, it, no, it could take three years to put all the pieces together, to make the yeah. introductions, to, to get your toe in the ma- water yep. at this, this, this group of fans to finally, uh, you know, two years from now. They've accepted you and you're headlining their event. It's a building process. It can't, it can't happen overnight. No matter what you see online and think happens overnight, nothing, nothing happens from zero to success in months. It, it, may, was, it may
2: look like it sometimes. It may look
0: like it, but it, you're, you don't you're know the whole story. You're not seeing the years that these artists put in. That's right. You know, just playing crap events and, and networking and networking and networking. And, you know, the first person they networked with 10 years ago said no. But five years later, they said yes, because they kept networking. That's a big part of your career. Yeah. And that that's a part of your career that isn't tied to... A release cycle,
2: right? I think that's, that's really smart.
0: That has to happen all the time, regardless of whether you've released anything.
2: Yeah, I think that's really smart. You know, we we were very fortunate. One of our clients uh, recently won the NPR Tiny Desk um, contest, Elisa Amador. But what's interesting about that story is it reminds me of what you just said and what Paul Stanley said once: the road to success isn't from here to success. It's failure, 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 success. Elisa Amador. this was her fourth time submitting music. She, the last three times she's submitted for the Tiny Desk Contest, she didn't, she didn't win. Well, guess what? Perseverance, hard work. She kept at it, kept writing, kept recording, kept touring. And now, she, now she's seeing the benefits of that.
0: Yep. Yep. It's, it's this turned out to be a good discussion on something we didn't even plan, but you know, it (laughs) is, it it is, it is such a crucial part of any artist's career. You just cannot, if you think you're going to spend a boatload of money to buy a bunch of magic bullets.
2: I wish it was that easy. I I I wish it was that easy.
0: I can guarantee you it's not going to work in the long run. You might see a spike. And that spike disappears when you stop spending your money.
2: Yeah. Yep.
0: Um, you know, this, this is, this is all of what you've got to think about outside of just releasing music. It's like the experience, the story, the tribe, you know, they are so core to anybody who has success. I think you could take it apart and pick any artists and go, okay, what was their story was unique. You know, what was their experience? They had a unique experience. What was their tribe? They built a great tribe. Yep. yep. I couldn't and agree with you more. it didn't happen in one month and it didn't happen in six months and it
2: didn't happen in one year. But that's the thing, Mike, is you're, you're spot on. Each band, each release, every marketing plan is different. There's not a cookie cutter approach. It doesn't work that way. And just because it worked for your artist doesn't mean it's going to work for my artist. That's why you have to do the work. You have to find out who your tribe is. You have to try different marketing tactics and audience growth methods. There's no silver bullet. You you can't just pay for likes and follows and spins and hope that everything works out. The harder I work, the luckier I get.
0: Yeah, you're going to be working 24 hours a day, every day, whether you're touring or releasing music. Just face it. If you're serious and you want to move forward, that's what's going to have to be part of it. Um, all right, always good, good. discussion. Always I would good. say head, head over to bandsintown.musicbizweeklypodcast.com. Uh, share your experience with experiences, share your experience with building a tribe. I would also love to hear you know, if you buy vinyl or CDs, do you actually listen to that product or do you still listen to it digitally, whether it's a download or streaming?
2: And you're just supporting um, your favorite artist.
0: Are you, just, are you making that physical purchase to support the artist? Or are you actually, is that how you consume your music?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and once again, just shout out to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town. And, and a big thank, thank you to discmakers.com. That's it, everybody. We will see you
1: next week. Visit discmakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a $150 value.
2: musicbizweeklypodcast.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. For Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com
1: and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.